this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Jim Polzin with Safety Wars. How's everybody doing tonight? So what did I spend the day doing? A client of ours required site-specific videos for what they're doing. So their orientation uh, for their site-specific training. And we ended up doing them today as as well as a whole bunch of awareness level stuff. So uh, basically the safety professional there is not going to be able, they're having a lot of influx of a lot of people. And the safety professional there is not going to be able to spend a lot of time uh, doing site orientations and things of that nature. Right, uh, they're, uh, it's a small site, but they are gonna have a huge influx of people coming in. So they decided to go and do site orientation videos. Now, what's the uh, advantage of doing a video? We all understand that videos are the least effective means of interacting with people and everything else. But let's face it, if there's an issue, well, what did you tell them? Well, it's on video. What right? Uh, that's what comes up. What comes up, and the other thing is this: if uh, you're dealing with a replacement safety professional, now you have something that you could show them. This. The other thing is, is that you could get a lot of this stuff done ahead of time. How do you like that? Hey, I'm going to the job site tomorrow. What do I do? Well, let me send you a link to the site orientation video. That way, we don't waste uh, two hours of orientation time, and we'll have a test that verifies exactly what you uh covered planning ahead thinking ahead and that's in the event of we can't do it in person so that's uh one of the services that we provide for you right and uh a whole bunch of other stuff going on today well what's going on in your world that's uh what this really is about what's going on in your world a lot of news out there, a lot of it very alarming and very uh, uh, very alarming, I find. I don't know, and that's just saying uh, the least of it here uh, with the war in the Ukraine. Because right now, just before airtime, we had uh, the doomsday clock was here. Where is it here on my stories here? Doomsday clock moves closer ever to midnight. Uh, This is from Yahoo News, Chris Lefkow. Top scientists and security experts moved the doomsday clock forward on Tuesday to just 90 seconds to midnight, signaling an increased risk to humanity's survival from the nuclear uh, shadow over the Ukraine conflict. The new timing of the clock is set by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists is closer to midnight than ever before. The hands on the clock, which Bulletin... The bulletin describes as a metaphor for how close humanity is to self-annihilation has been set at 100 seconds to midnight since January 2020. The closest uh, to midnight it has been in its history. When did this start? Uh, Sometime in the 1960s, I believe. On here from uh, the... uh, From... It was from... uh, 
Oh, I'm surprised. The Bulletin, which uh, is the uh, publication of uh, the Atomic uh, Scientists, right? The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists was, uh, the Bulletin was found in 1945 by Albert Einstein and J. Robert Oppenheim and other scientists. So now we know Albert Einstein, but we know, uh, no, that's, he's ubiquitous, right? Uh, through, no, especially in areas like Princeton, New Jersey, there's a lot of stuff. I understand, uh, uh, dedicated to him. Uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, who was he? He was the father of the uh, American atomic bomb, the, uh, I believe, the head of the, uh, uh, of the Manhattan Project, which brought the atomic bomb to, uh, no, uh, to the United States and developed it and everything else. And he became a pacifist afterwards, basically, my understanding. I don't know, because there's a biopic coming out about Robert Oppenheimer uh, this year. Uh, and I, I tell you what, the idea of the clock symbolized the global vulnerability catastrophe followed in 1947. So we're dealing with uh, three generations, four generations, depending on how you want to count, of living with the clock, and it's the closest there. Now... We're going to talk a little bit more, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, some stuff off of ready.gov. But uh, let me get this over with as soon as possible with uh, this. Now, why do I cover the financial news? Well, real simple. We're, uh, I go over the numbers because we're at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and this is Tuesday, January 24th, uh, 2023, and the... Uh, the uh, uh, we're, we're we're getting on this before all your morning shows. How do you like that? So uh, all of the financial news and here. So without any further comment, Dow Jones Industrial closed at thirty three seven thirty three, up zero point three one percent. S P five hundred was forty sixteen ninety five. It fell by zero point zero seven percent. Nasdaq eleven. 11,334.27, down 0.27%. Russell, 2,000, 1885.61. 10-year Treasury note, up uh, to 3.452. Bitcoin is fell slightly, 1.32% to 22,596. And crude oil at 8,680.16. Right, so it's been hovering, crude oil, uh, no, high 70s, low 80s for a couple of weeks, that seems now. Precious metals. Gold is up today at 1945.30. Silver fell slightly, 2385. Platinum, 1072. 1072. Palladium uh, fell slightly, 1.773. Now, I always got the answer well, why do you cover at the quash? Why do you cover palladium? Because that's what they make catalytic converters out of. And if your catalytic converter in your car was stolen recently, chances are it was for the palladium and the platinum inside it. Right? Uh, so now, going on to the war news. A lot of crap going on over there. What we're seeing here is an escalation of this situation. U.S. Uh, there is a report from the Associated Press. In reversal, U.S. poised to approve Abrams' tanks for the Ukraine. And what would be a reversal? The Biden administration is poised to approve sending M1 Abrams' tanks to Ukraine. It would have been nice had they sent 
like military equipment from uh, places like Afghanistan that they just left there, over there. Because right now, and one of these other stories we're going to talk about is that the us supplying Ukraine is eating into our own supplies here. Uh, according to some experts. And what would be a reversal? The Biden administration is poisoned to approve sending M1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine, U.S. officials said Tuesday, as international reluctance to send tanks to the battlefront against the Russians begins to erode. A decision to send a bit more than 30 tanks could be announced as soon as Wednesday, though it could take months for the tanks to be delivered. Uh, right now, a lot of the uh, commentators on this whole thing are screaming and yelling, well, these tanks should have been sent there a long time ago. Oh, okay, great. They need them now. Now, 30 tanks, right? Uh, so US, uh, the U.S. announcement is expected in coordination with an announcement by Germany that will approve Poland's request to transfer German-made Leopold, Leopold Leopard. Where's my tongue tonight? Leopard, Leopard, right? Leopard, two tanks to Ukraine, according to one official. The official spoke on the condition and an anonymity. Okay, so I did a little bit of research here a couple months ago when this came up, sending tanks over there. I'm, I'm thinking, why, why, why are we going to send M1 Abrams tanks or top-of-the-line tanks over there? Couldn't they, like, send the old tanks that are, like, probably in some armories somewhere? The Midwest, right? The older tanks, the one before the M1 Abrams in the 1980s. This way, we're not giving away our best in this country. And it turns out we already gave away all those tanks and sold them and everything else. Well, okay, great. Uh, you know, it's... Now, uh, I don't know here, but escalating this may not be the best idea. So, uh, the, the, the. so what does uh, the Leopard 2? What is the Leopard 2? Germany's Krauss Maffei Wegman, the manufacturer of Leopard 2, touts it as the world's leading battle tank that for nearly half a century has combined aspects of firepower, protection, speed, and maneuverability, making it adaptable to many types of combat situations. The 55-ton uh, tank has a crew of four and a range of about 500 kilometers. That's 310 miles for those of you in the United States, and top speeds of about 68 kilometers per hour, which is about 42 miles per hour. Now, with four main variants, its earliest version came into service in 1979. Its main weapon is a 122-millimeter smooth-bore gun, and it has a fully digital fire control system. So, uh, in the history of the manufacturer... Uh, the German-made tanks are, there's a lot of them. There's more than 2,000 been deployed in over a dozen European countries in Canada. Overall, over 3,500 units have been supplied to 19 countries. So these are really ubiquitous over there. And plus, they're, you, know, you don't have the transportation thing. So I don't know. So you're looking for an escalation here, right? Russian war, this is from the U.S. Sun. The Ru Russian warship with unstoppable 7,000-mile-per-hour hypersonic missile sails towards the U.S. and will soon be in strike range. A Russian warship armed with unstoppable hypersonic missiles is sailing toward the U.S. coast in a show of strength, the reports claim. 
a guided missile, the guided missile frigate Admiral Gorshkov has been closely monitored by NATO navies on its maiden voyage, voyage armed with uh, 6670 mile per hour, 6670 mile per hour Zircon weapons. All right, it's basically unstoppable. They're meant to, uh, what are they? Nu- they're nuclear capable Mach 9 missiles, have a reported range of 625 miles. Do-do-do. And going on down here, I don't know what they would be targeting, whether it would be other ships or uh, land uh, targets. Okay, here it is, a surface target or a coastal target. I don't think there will be anything to counter this in the next few years. Okay, great. So the Cutting Edge frigate was due to sail in the Indian Ocean and Mediterranean on this mission. Next month, it was expected to take part in exercise. Now they're parked off the coast here, reportedly. So let's take a break here for a second. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. So, in related news... You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. Okay, so in other news we have here, the uh, F-15EX sticks into China. It means Xi's militarism is now being matched with new U.S. weaponry. So the F-15, right, was a 1970s era fighter that's gone through huge upgrades in the last 40 years, now it's uh, now it is uh, 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 upgraded, right? Uh, I don't know if these are old planes that were upgraded or new planes that were that have. Uh, boom, boom, boom! Here you go. Here you go. Hold on. F fifteen, right? Uh, the F fifteen EX has one major job to stick into China. Xi Jinping is foolish enough to try a military attack anywhere in the Pacific. Last week, the Air Force confirmed that the F-15EX Eagle II fighter completed tests out over the Gulf of Mexico, demonstrating it can carry up to two 12 air-to-air missiles under its wings at one time. That's a record no other Air Force plane can match. Call it the Dirty Dozen. Going on, uh, the original F-15 through flew, first flew 1972, 1979, I'm sorry. And uh, what, what, what's the deal with these... Uh, Weapons. It's the Air Force's hypersonic boost glide weapon named Arrow. So they have their own hypersonic weapon in the United States. 
right? Uh, the other one is, uh, the other one is a, uh, 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 no, the Russian has no ship to shore missiles. This is air to air missiles. So, uh, to say that we don't have, I'm sure I'm not a weapons guy. I wasn't a military guy, but I'm sure that some of these stuff is going to be being modified right now to compete with the Russians. So now we're being, being, uh, now we're being, uh, uh, opening up what a second front. So you have Ukraine on a proxy war there. Now we have a possible, Another threat in China. I don't see this ending well. So in Region 4 news from OSHA, in federal court, Alabama plastics manufacturer pleads guilty to willful safety regulation violation found in 2017 OSHA investigation into workers' death. So this thing has been litigated for like five, over five years. Right, five, almost five and a half years. So I'd like to know what else is going on here. An Alabama plastics manufacturing company, this is from the press release from OSHA, an Alabama plastics manufacturing company has pleaded guilty to a willful violation uh, of workplace uh, violation to a willful violation of workplace safety requirements as part of an agreement filed in federal court spurred initially by the USDOL investigating the death into a 45-year-old worker's death in Helena in August 2017. They filed in U.S. Uh, District Court of Northern District, Alabama. The agreement also requires ABC Polymer Industries to pay $242,000 uh, plus and restitution plus funeral expenses to the fall workers' estate. The company must also pay almost $168,000 in penalties and serve two years' probations, with terms including participating in an enhanced compliance and auditing program. 2015, the company, 2018, the company paid $155,000 after uh, the OSHA's investigation of this. So it appears to me that there they were uh the company was held uh, criminally liable here. Uh an OSHA investigation determined the ABC Polymer Industries employee suffered fatal injuries after she was pulled into the moving rollers of a plastics extrusion machine. As a result, the agency issued the, uh, the company one willful citation for failing to provide machine guarding to protect employees from caught-in and amputation hazards. OSHA has also cited uh, the company for a lack of specific safety procedures to shut down or isolate stored energy and its failure to install a rail system on both sides of an open platform. Failing to install and maintain protective guarding on machinery causes far too many serious injuries and deaths, explained OSHA Regional Administration Kurt Petermeyer in Atlanta. Employers can prevent these types of tragedies. In this case, ABC Polymer Industries learned that terrible lesson. But anyway, that's what's going on. Horrible, uh, no, that's a horrible way to go. Gen this is from EPA, Genesee and Wyoming Railroad Services to address Clean Air Act violations and settlement with the United States. The company estimates it will spend $42 million to correct violations and offset associated environmental harm. 
Today, the U.S. EPA, and the, this is from January 24th, EPA press release. Today, the U.S. EPA and the Department of Justice announced a settlement with Genesee and Wyoming Railroad Services and numerous affiliated companies for violation of the Clean Air Act locomotive regulations. The complaint also filed today alleges GWRSI's locomotives were rebuilt with locomotives. Alleges that the company's locomotives would rebuild engines, failed to meet applicable EPA emission standards, and that the company did not perform required emissions-related maintenance or rec- keep records of maintenance performed. That's a big boo-boo there. I tell you, uh, one of my clients got whacked with that with DOT uh, violations for not keeping DOT records for maintenance and inspection. So the... Uh, uh, contaminant in that issue is primarily nitrogen oxides, a.k.a. NOx. We're talking NO2 and NO3, I believe it is. I don't know if there's an NO4, but NO2 and NO3. Uh, NOx is a contributor uh, to the formation of summer ozone and particulate matter smaller than 2.5 microns. Uh, and that 2.5 microns has been shown to cause lung damage and cancer. Just for reference for you, your body cannot filter out anything less than 10 microns in diameter. So that goes all the way down into your lungs. And uh, and according to acting uh, and assistant administrator Larry Starfield, uh, the settlement is expected to reduce tons of nitrogen oxides, which I guess is a good thing. Some COVID news here. Was it worth it? America has suffered 300,000 non-COVID excess deaths since 2020 as experts blame lockdowns and delayed health care for spiking drug overdoses and firearm fatalities. Well, I, could, I tell you what. Uh, I've spoken to many managers uh, in my family, outside the family, uh, friends, uh, clients, and everything. Some of the workforces out there I mean, the people are on edge, right, uh, on all of this stuff, lockdowns, financial stuff, political unrest, uncertainty, children not uh, no, being out of school, being behind in their studies, and not being able to catch up, picking up bad habits during the lockdowns with COVID and everything else. Uh, and I'm not surprised that there were excess COVID deaths, according to some sources, and uh, who uh, did this? Uh, so the CDC reported a 5% rise in cancer deaths in 2020 because in 2021 staff that he found that cancer cases are now being detected later than usual. So people you know uh, delaying cancer treatment, delaying cancer uh, uh, evaluations, breast exams, uh, prostate exams, uh, now, hey, something hurts me. Oh, I'm not going to go to the hospital. I don't want to get COVID, and they end up having cancer. Uh, drug overdoses. Uh, the nation recorded a record 108 overdoses in 2021. That's a 15% increase. So that goes to show you this, right? Uh, so who? what are uh, – let me back off on that. The total predicted number of excess deaths since 2-1-2020 by state California has the highest numbers here. It's uh, not surprising they're the largest state, then followed by Texas, Florida, Georgia, 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, California. I know geographically, not demographically. Yes. So I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say this much. If you're having mental health issues, please get help. There is help out there. If you're thinking about contemplating suicide, don't get help, please. We need you. You're important. Adults predict that they can only go without their phone and TV for just five hours while they can manage three days without a laptop or a tablet. Actually, I've gone days and weeks without actually accessing my uh, laptop, believe it or not. Not accessing my computer since I've been doing the radio show. No, we haven't been able to do that. A study of 2,000 Brits found 71% admitted they struggled to manage their life. They didn't have access to the internet. And without a phone, more than half would hardly communicate with anyone. When it comes to games, consoles, adults can manage for three days without access to them. Uh, Where is this coming from? The research was commissioned by Tesco Mobile, which is distributing data throughout the Trussell Trust Network of food banks as part of its Little Health Data Bank aiming to connect 50,000 people facing financial hardship in 2025. Wow. So, uh, here's something I heard on another radio show last night. Someone had an interview on the radio show uh, discussing new technology. So uh, it's kind of, I got into this in uh, one of the Facebook groups I was in. Uh, so we recently, uh, my family uh, got a second house, on, no, through an unfortunate set of circumstances. And no, we were uh, up in northern New Jersey in a very remote area. Yes, New Jersey does have very remote areas. And uh, what we found out was no we no i feel like my father in a lot of ways rest in peace dad uh so i remember when i was eight seven or eight nine ten years old at the uh, cabin here we'll call it the cabin my father's house he uh i hated it up there so my mother at during the day is wonderful got a lot of stuff to do up there in the woods. I tell my kids how I used to run out in the woods with my friends up there for hours and hours at a time, sometimes alone, right? Riding the bike, doing things that kids do, fishing, uh, you know, things of that nature, having fun and everything in the woods away from electronics. But once 8 o'clock rolled around at night and the sun went down, right, there wasn't a lot to do, and I was never a reader when I was that age, eight or nine, ten years old. So I would be begging my father, begging my father. I'd say, "Hey, you know, hey, can we get a TV up here?" Well, you know, there's only like two channels up here. And uh, since we got the house, my kids, it's the same thing. Dad, there's like no internet connection here, or the, you know, we're using a mobile Wi-Fi network uh, off of the cell phones and. Uh, mobile hotspots and it's still getting, you know, Gluvno uh, connections up there. So what I, uh, you know, I said to, uh, so eventually in 19, uh, roughly 1980, and I remember that like 
yesterday. My father's on the phone up there trying to get uh, Service Electric Cable to come out there. I'll give him a shout out. The uh, owner of Service Electric Cable in those days was also one of the inventors of cable TV. Anyway, he ended up, of course, it's not Safety Wars without a story. So now I remember when he said, uh, Jimmy, run out there on the telephone pole. There should be a silver box. And I could just imagine my father. Please, God, don't let there be a silver box on the telephone pole. Please, God, don't let there be a box. Hey, Daddy, yeah, there's a silver box. Well, and then he's like, oh, man. Okay, we got to get cable TV. So we got cable TV up there, basic cable, and that's what we had. And we had that uh, up until the early 2000s. Then we got a different system in there, and, you know, it was that. And I remember pestering my father. So my father, because of his extended illness, really didn't have the TV up there. So I went up there with my family. We, you know, spent the day there, uh, not hunting, but fishing, doing what, you know, family-related stuff and everything else. No TV, no internet connection. It was lovely. And then I hear again from my son, same age as me, Dad, we got to get the, uh, we got to get something up here. We got to get internet connection. We got to have TV, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to spend a night here, no TV, blah, 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 blah. You guys can all hear it. And I said, man, this, hasn't this gone 360, right? Well, now I have to hear my son complaining about that. So uh, a couple months ago, I got, I wrote that. I brought, got the internet connection there. Uh, once, you know, uh, I acquired the uh, property in the house and uh, we went out and the guy is hooking it up on the thing. And he says, <laughs> and I said to him, he says, wow, you got an old cable connection here. We got to redo he says, I haven't seen one of these silver boxes in years. I said to him, I told him the story with a silver box. He says, yeah, that, yeah, that's way old technology. I said, yeah, 1970s era, late 1970s. And we all got, we got a good laugh out of it. So where, where am I going with this? And uh, we only got three TV uh, channels up there. And recently uh, I, I'm in the... Uh, one of the unofficial Facebook pages for the lake. And some guy says, is on there, how many TV stations can we get here on broadcast TV? I said, maximum three in the 1970s. So that was the heyday of broadcast TV. It's probably the same in, as VHF. And I, I mean, they were shaky then. Now, uh, with digital, I don't even know. I know that they lost one UHF station up there because it didn't convert to digital. And uh, back in 2009, I don't know if they went online or not, but uh, people are like, VHF, UHF, what the hell is that? VHF, very high frequency. UHF, ultra high frequency. And these were radio waves that actually broadcast TV signals. UHF had a long range. We have those still in uh, handheld radio. So a VHF system Generally speaking, is site to site, right? UHF bounces off the ionosphere, and you're able to get a, a much larger range with that, longer range. That's why a VHF radio is usually for uh, uh, ships because, right, there's no there's no uh, obstructions in the middle of the ocean or anywhere for the ship, right, or on a, on water usually, unless a real big ship gets in front of you, and uh, 
UHF, right, is uh, a hand, even the handheld radio is longer range. They're relegated to for the most part. Uh, no, I'm not a radio guy per se. Got to talk, you know. You can go look this stuff up. But what am I getting to? In 2009, we went from analog to digital TV, where we got all the analog signals were gone away, and they went to digital TV, and apparently there was an intermediate system in there, 2.0, ATSC 2.0, I believe it was called. Now, I'm listening last night to the other radio show, they have another one for... Uh, uh, Spotlight ATSC 3.0. And basically, in the next five years, is, uh, is uh, essentially they're phasing away the digital TV over broadcast into this. Roughly five years, give or take. There's some debate. They wrote the uh, regulation that can be interpreted in many different ways, as usual. And uh, what's uh, they're calling it? Spotlight ATSC. I'm reading off the website atsc.org. Built on the same internet protocol backbone as today, it's popular streaming media platforms. That's a key feature. Designed to bring together over the air with over the top content, delivers better video quality and immersive audio to viewers, provides the capability of advanced emergency alerting and informing, and easily adaptable. So some TVs are already being. Uh, are already being made with this new technology. If you have an uh, quote-unquote older TV, right, uh, with the older technology, you're going to have to get a digital uh, a uh, converter box. So uh, looking at as far as the sponsors are concerned, we're dealing with like 30 sponsors here, it looks like. And they're all companies that we, for the most part, have heard of uh, with uh, for this. So why do I bring this up? This is a, you know, communication is a critical in uh, is critical for any type of disaster preparation. How are you going to get information? I remember during Superstorm Sandy, I the only way we got internet access was from my uh, mobile hotspot in my car at the time, which was, I believe, a 3G service, uh, which I believe was phased out. Now, most cars, I think, are LTE or 5G services. But that's how we were getting it was through that. And I, even on the, the phone didn't work, but the hotspot on the car worked. So I was able to make uh, uh, VOIP uh, calls with a service and everything else with that. And we would designate, because there was a gas shortage, uh, we would designate like uh, one hour a day where we would make phone calls, right, with that. Uh, the other thing is this, uh, with this. Uh, now, how are you going to get information uh, now, with broadcast antennas? People are not, most people took off the broadcast antennas off their roofs sometime in the mid 2000s. Uh, I haven't, I installed one for my friend Gloria for her mother when her mother was still alive. Uh, her, me and her, uh, uh, one of her friends put a broadcast antenna on top of a roof. And that was, uh, no, I was not wearing fall protection. Shame on me. But we put one up there, and that was the last one I installed. Now I have uh, a lot of these other ones that you know, advertise over the last couple of years where you hang on a wall. Uh, out, no, I used to put them on uh, outside, and we're, we were able to get some TV channels from uh, those uh, antennas. 
Some good, some bad. Uh, why? Because I was in the metro New York City area working on a project, and everybody wanted a TV in the lunchroom. Well, we're not going to get cable TV, so we had broadcast TV. And, yeah, I was probably one of the last people to actually be listening and watching broadcast TV. Now, here's the question for you. We talked about today with uh, escalating the war, right? Escalating the war. Let's remember, so the uh, I almost said Soviet Union. Russia had has sixty five hundred. That is sixty five hundred nuclear warheads, reportedly. Now we were able to reduce some, and some well got old. Right, they have they do have a shelf life uh, on there, and it's not like the uh, Planet of the Apes movie, right, uh, where. They uh, no, the thing's a thousand years old and they're launching it. That no, they do have a life uh, uh, a lifespan, and technology gets you know they may move the you know refurbish it, do whatever they need to do to do whatever, so they can place it on another rocket or things like that nature. But things no, because of nuclear uh, treaties, things got reduced. So the United States has around fifty five hundred. As one commentator, Gerald Salente and as a uh, as a uh, complete disclosure, I met Gerald Salente a couple of times. He was a customer of my dearly departed mother-in-law up in Kingston, New York. He uh, pointed he pointed out that countries with nuclear weapons do not get defeated in war. Right? Look at well, look at our history since World War II. They don't get defeated. They may surrender. They may surrender. They may give up. They may withdraw, but they don't get defeated. Think about that now. This is with this escalation, uh, and we're not supposed to get political here, but with this escalation, this is loco here. My opinion. I I don't think we should be risking nuclear war. However, I don't make those decisions. As was pointed out with the uh, COVID situation, that was all easily predicted. COVID-19 pandemic, lack of preparedness. There were many people like me predicting that for many, many years. No one would listen to it. And by the way, I spoke to some of the highest uh, people in this country on this and uh, leading politicians and everything else. I've been at, uh, there was a lot of other uh, conferences out there uh, that I attended that were specifically to disaster response and nuclear stuff uh, and pandemic preparedness in one ear and out the other for all these government officials. One of the reasons why we're here, trying to get the word out a little bit more on Safety FM and on related platforms. There's not a damn thing we could do with What our governments do. Nothing. Zero. So you need to be prepared the best you can for whatever your situation is. This week, uh, we, there was a uh, one source that came out. Well, hide in your corner is the best place in, the, in uh, your basement and everything else. Hold on one second. 
I gotta turn this phone down here. Hold on. All right. I'm sorry. I apologize to that. But it is live radio. And I am broadcasting in from my house in Clarkstown, New York. So I can't do anything that they can do, but I can go and I can prepare myself. And this week we had to hear, uh, and last week, well, no. Stay, get inside, stay inside, stay tuned. If you're going to go inside your house, make sure you're in an area without windows in a corner, blah, 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 blah. If you can, get under the ground. So, for example, uh, uh, my house uh, is surrounded by uh, dirt on three sides in the basement sort of thing. And, no, that's what you do. All right, and unless you're, at a ground zero, for lack of a better word, where one of these things hit, and it's usually going to be an air burst, right, where it's going to be in the air, so you get a greater uh, effect of the nuclear weapon, you're going to... Uh, no, you're at ground zero. Okay, you're fried. Okay, I get it. But most of the United States at least geographically, is going to be out of a target area. So you do not know where exactly you're going to be. You don't know what your situation is going to be after the fact or anything else. So wouldn't it make sense that you prepare stuff ahead of time? Well, what do you, well, what do you mean? Well, we know that during a disaster, you're going to need up to 96 hours of food minimum with a nuclear blast. You probably had should probably be extending that out to a week and a half, two weeks. But if you have any other emergency, you're going to need that anyway. You're going to need cash. You're going to need something to barter with. You're going to need tools, everything else. So what's uh, uh, FEMA uh, saying? And this is right from ready.gov. What they're saying is and how to stay safe in the event of a radiation emergency. One, get inside. Two, stay inside. Three, stay tuned. We talked about TV, right? We could, should easily talk about radio. How are you going to get information? Like in any emergency, you need reliable information, enough supplies, and a plan to protect yourself. So FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, and even some communities have reverse phone. Uh, no, so FEMA has an app, and some of the... Uh, 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 Communities have reverse 911 systems where they'll call you in an emergency or battery or powered or hand crank radio. You need to build an emergency supply kit. What could be in the emergency supply kit? All different kinds of stuff. Here's the short list. Water, food, battery powder or hand crank radio and a known weather alert, tone alert, flashlight, I'd say flashlights, first aid kits, extra batteries, a whistle to signal for help, uh, some type of respiratory protection, plastic sheeting and duct tape to shelter in place, moist towelettes, garbage bags, and, and plastic ties, wrenches or pliers, manual can openers, local maps. You know, try to find a local map. Is anyone with a local map other than Jimmy Polzel here, right? Ain't going to happen. A map, meaning paper map. All right, cell phone with chargers and a backup battery. All right, now here's something else I want you to uh, 
plan out. Okay, where are you going to store the food and manual can? Okay, we get that. What's the biggest issue you're going to have to contend with? Come on. Where are you going to go to the bathroom? Right? I'm not going to go into graphic uh, descriptions here of what you could do, but that's something that you really need to think about. Where are you going to go to the bathroom? Where is the garbage going to be expo- uh, disposed of? How are you going to sanitize things? Because I tell you what, it's uh, not a good thing. Uh, going on, right, masks, right, uh, meaning respiratory protection, hand sanitizer, soap, medications, prescription, non-prescription, uh, eye, prescription eyeglasses, contact lens solutions, contact lenses, infant supplies, we'll leave it at that. There's a rather extensive list. Pet food and extra water for your pet. Let's not forget the pets. Cash or traveler's checks. Important family documents, right? insurance paperwork, passports. Passports are very important. Sleeping bags, right? Warm blanket. Where are you going to uh, sleep? Do you have camping equipment or should you invest in camping equipment? I don't know. You got to set priorities. And going on and on, mess kits, paper cups, everything else. You could go to ready.gov. But the most important thing is this. And it's a first world problem. It's a 2023 problem. We're all used to cell phones, iPads, computers, video games, and everything else. Guess what? You're not going to be there uh, with uh, having the being able to use those in an emergency. So how are you going to occupy your time? Books? Well, you need lights to read books, games, puzzles, other activities for children. You're going to be going stir-crazy after two days. Some people are going to be going stir-crazy. Hey, well, I just read the thing where people can't handle without a cell phone for uh, five hours. What do you think is going to happen here with things? People are going to go stir crazy here. Look at what happened during the lockdowns. We already had people on lockdowns. You had experience with that now, right? And that was optional. You could have gone outside. Hell, people were outside of their front lawns doing stuff. I did uh, all different types of yard work. I called off the landscapers and I was out there mowing the lawn and doing everything else during the lockdowns. All different types of crazy stuff going on there. What are you, what's your psychological well-being going to be with all of this? And you have to maintain your kit and have uh, work uh, have uh, locations. You may have an at-home one, one at work, and one in the car. I know during uh, winter, I always make sure I have a sleeping bag and pillow in my truck. Why? In case I have to... Uh, uh, stay overnight somewhere. So some of the other stuff with uh, stay safe during during any radiation emergency. Follow the radiation protection principles of time, distance, and shielding. That is, limit your exposed time to any radioactive sources. Increase your distance from a radioactive source and shield yourself. They're saying go deep inside a sturdy building. Uh, there is a Crescent Carney nuclear war survival skills available on the internet for free. That is the official uh, United States government, at least it was for many years, uh, manual for nuclear war survival skills. 
really good book. And if you can find a copy of my book somewhere, that's another good one. Uh, and it might seem dated, uh, that book, uh, Nuclear War Survival Skills, but there are some, but if you have a lot of time to prepare, that's possible. If you recall in The Day After Tomorrow, that movie from 1984, I believe it was, or 83, uh, was uh, no, Steve Gutenberg and a whole bunch of other people were in that movie. Jason Robarts was another actor and a uh, whole bunch, a whole cast of actors uh, no, that were very popular in the 1980s. They, uh, they had a warning in there and you showed people preparing for nuclear war. There's a, uh, a couple, if you have time, you could probably do some stuff if you're smart about it, but you had to prepare ahead of time with that. Uh, so nuclear detonations are the most dangerous radiation emergency. Yeah, no guvno. It creates a large deadly blast. If it detonates on the ground, the explosions can suck material up into the air and create a dangerous sand-like radioactive particles called fallout. So, uh... Again, what are you going to do? Prepare. What's the most important thing? Keeping clean, keeping a good mental attitude. Uh, here's something else here uh, to consider. Here. And it's not only with this, it's with anything. I, uh, we make sure that if we have an impending disaster coming, inclement weather, something like that, make sure all the dishes are washed and make sure all the clothes are clean. You don't have laundry sitting there. And make sure you everyone takes showers or baths, whatever you prefer. Whatever you prefer. Something you need to worry. Uh, something you need to uh, uh, consider there, because again, psychological, right? It's good for the uh, brain. Uh, psychological safety here, right? You don't want to be dirty and smelly and everything the first day. It's going to be miserable. So I'm looking now on the FEMA nuclear radiation uh, sheet, right? A nuclear weapon is a device that uses a nuclear reaction to create an explosion. They could either be fission or fusion bombs. Nuclear de pardon me, devices range from a small portable device carried by an individual to a weapon carried by a missile. So if it's going to be a individual, what the government has sold us is to be prepared for three 10 kiloton detonations on uh, the same day in the United States. That's what FEMA is prepared for, uh, generally speaking. And that means, uh, and that, that's going back a long time, those sources. That's basically what it, what it comes down to. The Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs are 17 and 21 kilotons, respectfully, uh, no, respectively. Uh, so that's about what, what it came down to. So what are you going to have? A bright flash that can cause temporary blindness. Some type of a blast wave that can cause death, injury, and damage to structures several miles out from the blast. Thank God for the inverse square law because things get, you can go look that up, and because things get weaker out the further you go away. Radiation, causing radiation sickness and cancers. They can be acute or uh, chronic. Fire and heat, an electromagnetic pulse, an EMP. A lot of talk about that because we don't even have to have a uh, detonation, ground-level detonation. This could be high in the sky, and the electromagnetic pulse could probably go out and 
destroy things, and that's where a pulse's lot is emitted from a nuclear device and is able to fry electronic equipment with that. Uh, that's a story in itself because we're woefully unprepared for that in this country, and that's more likely going to be an issue than anything else, uh, initially at least. Uh, and fallout, right, meaning radioactive visible dirt and debris raining down that causes... Uh, sickness to those who are outside. Now, at the end result of all this nuclear stuff, uh, detonation, it's a lot less nuclear material than you think, but the problem is is that it's in smaller particles. It's spread out over a huge area. It's in uh, less than 10 micron uh, in diameter, most of it. It's like a pumice or a powder, and that's able to get down into your lungs. And once it gets into your lungs, now it's emitting either alpha, beta, gamma, and other types of radiation in there, in your body, causing uh, cancer, causing diseases, causing everything else. So I'll leave it up to you to go uh, to FEMA or ready.gov and look up all this stuff here. Uh, so let's continue with some other news here, and then we'll call it a night. So here's one for you. Do you, Does your business have some type of cyber insurance? Because I tell you what, uh, there's a report out uh, out of San Jose, California, PayPal, that 35,000 PayPal user accounts have been hacked by credential stuffing, resulting in exposing names and social security numbers. Uh, so if you're using that as a payment system uh, for your company or whatever, you might be held liable for that. That's why you probably need some type of cyber insurance uh, to help protect yourself from these types of data breaches. Legendary British rock guitarist Dave Beck, uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Beck, known as one of the world's top three guitarists, died on January 10th at the age of 78, died of acute bacterial meningitis, not COVID. There were other issues, people saying it was COVID, rest in peace. Now, classified documents. Now we have... But we're all familiar with the President Trump there. And now we have former Vice President Mike Pence and former Vice President Joe Biden, now the current president, had classified documents at their house, apparently. It's being reported. Now, what they could they charge them with? I don't think it's going to go anywhere with a seated president, especially with President Trump, because he was president. He was able to argue. Some say he's going to be argue, able to argue successfully. I don't know. I'm not an attorney. I'm not taking sides here. Uh, that he uh, was the president and he was authorized so he could declassify things. However, now we have muddied waters here. Vice President doesn't have that authority. So the former Vice President, Mike Pence, now has stuff. I don't know. That's just came out uh, today. Uh, now... Former Vice President and current President Joe Biden with stuff at his house. We had former uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton here. How are they going to handle this? It's got to be uh, because uh, my understanding is an affirmative defense by uh, the president could be, well, you don't convict anybody else. Why are you convicting me of anything? Why are you giving me a problem? Right? And uh, it may not even be illegal for that. So... That's uh, might be an affirmative defense. And I think, and if you listen to me long enough on the podcast and now this show, one of the biggest problems we have is uh, cronyism, inconsistent uh, 
enforcement of laws, my opinion. Not the uh, station's opinion, my opinion. And what are we going to do about it? Uh, let me check the clock here. How much time do we have left? Three minutes, 57 seconds. Okay. California major reservoirs failed to reach full capacity after more than two weeks of rainstorms. So uh, where are we at? Uh, We're nowhere near anything after two weeks of rain. We're having the same situation out here. Uh, A lot of the reservoirs are not refilled yet. They're better than what they were. I know uh, of one lake in northern New Jersey that was supposed to be drained for the winter for uh, repairs to property. And guess what? With all the rain we've been having, it's filled back up again, and the spillway is all flooded. Uh, It's incredible. Here you go. More worried news here. This is my question. We've known for 10 years, we've known that we have an ammunition shortage in the United States. Now we are sending all of this ammunition overseas, and there's a report out today that the U.S. would run out of munitions in a war with China. The United States would uh, likely run out of critical munitions during a major conflict with China's communist regime due to its inability to adequately mobilize the defense industrial base. Well, that happens when you shut down lead smelters, and everything else 10 years ago, right? The report titled Empty Bins in a Wartime Environment examines uh, the uh, United States has depleted key arms reserves by supplying Ukraine's resistance against Russian invasion and extrapolates how a similar situation can negatively impact the nation in wartime scenario. The U.S. defense industrial base, where is this coming from? Uh, the U.S. defense industrial base is not adequately prepared for the competitive security environment that now exists, as the report published on January 23rd by the Center for Strategic and International Studies, the security-focused think tank. Okay, this goes back to my comment right now. I cannot control, and neither can you, control what the government does on that level. Most we could do is vote. What are you going to do to fight that safety war for you and your family? That's all I got for tonight. I'll be talking to you tomorrow. And uh, that's assuming that we do not get whacked with a huge snowstorm here knocking out power. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.